For the Western Forces today is Cheer Up Sleepy Jean. The code for the Western Forces today is Cheer Up Sleepy Jean. Okay, so I got my AARP card in the mail today. And, it, you know, when you get that red card in the mail, it, and I don't know how they, like, how do they know? How do they know to send this to you? Um, it means that you have less life left than you had. And even so, you know, even if you're one of those people that does live to 100 plus, you know, those years after 90, really, they're not, except for a handful of people, they're really not all that productive. Uh, for a lot of people over 70, they're really not all that productive. And some people even, they're pretty miserable in their 50s and 60s. So, you know, it depends. Everyone ages differently. But getting that red card in the mail, you know, it, it denotes that, uh, they're probably, your best days are probably behind you. Now, you know, there's stories of people like Ray Kroc, the guy who founded, you know, quote-unquote founded McDonald's as we know it. And um, and he didn't start until he was like mid-50s or so. And then he just had a great, you know, second half of his of his life. But, you know, before that he was an unsuccessful salesman of sorts. Yeah, you know, that happens, but... I'd say for the the vast, vast majority of people, and even if I have a Ray Kroc moment after this and something just clicks and I say, wow, you know, I've been doing this my whole life, but I've just if I just tweak this one little thing, I will be the king of McDonald's. Um, it's, you know, even if that happens, I'll still never, like, play football again. I'll never... Uh, I'll never probably wrestle again unless it's with like a little kid or something. Um, I'll never, um, I'll never, you know, have that like sweet moment where you, um, you know, kiss a date goodnight after like the prom or something. Um, I'll never have like that excitement of, of like driving for the first time and, um, you know, going to a fancy restaurant for the first time. And seeing um, seeing sights I haven't seen before, yeah, I think that's about it, you know. So I think this is about all. So this is the End Times podcast, and it makes me wonder um, if End Times is just wishful thinking. Like you get to midlife and beyond and you have a little life left and you want to do something and uh, maybe, you know, this is just something to grasp onto is this idea of of like some mass catastrophe. And, the, you know, the other thing is 
your life piles up. Your life piles up and, and you dig a hole. Um, I'd say the vast majority of us are digging holes, don't you think? Aren't we all digging holes? You know, a lot of people say, like, I was reading a thread on the internet. What if some gunman said, hey, dig a grave, and you know that grave's probably for you. Would you do it? And you know, there's always some internet cowboys that are like, oh, no, I'd fight him with the shovel, and, you know. And, yeah, but, you know, then some practical people come on there, and they're like, yeah, there's people talking tough on the internet. But the reality is, you'd probably dig that grave. You know, you'd probably dig it with that gun to your head. And you'd try to hope it's just, you know, not um, hope the person's just playing mind games with you. Or hoping that you can present yourself as a human being before they, they shoot you. Like maybe they'll think, you know, that scene from... Um, Saving Private Ryan, where they have the guy digging his grave, and he's, you know, saying he's telling jokes, and he's, uh, he's trying to humanize himself, and they eventually let him go. You know, you're hoping that maybe that happens. And someone said on there, on this thread I was reading, the reality is most people would dig that hole because, given the choice of potentially losing your life or just living a moment longer. The animal instinct is to live a moment longer, so you would dig that hole. So, you know, metaphorically speaking, we, we're all digging holes. We have mortgages, and yeah, you know, eventually you pay off the mortgage, but what? You're old by then, it's, and the price of everything has changed, and you still get a big tax bill every year that's almost the equivalent of what your mortgage was. Your tax bill, so are you really, like... Do you really own that home if you get like an $8,000 tax bill? You know, when you bought the home, your, your mortgage was like 700 a month or something. So it's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing as your mortgage. You haven't had a, school, a kid in the school for 50 years and you're still paying for the local school district. So they could have artificial turf. You're still paying for that. So... You know, we're all, like, digging a hole. The student loans that, like, it's hard to get out of. And there are, um, you know, the car payments. And then when you have your own kids, that's just... Anyone who says they can save money, they just must be making a lot of money. Because most people can't save money. Most people don't have $1,000 or, or so. Um, even if you have five, ten thousand $10,000, it's not a lot. It's hard to save money. Unless you have one of those jobs that, like, socks it away for you and you kind of just keep it out of sight, out of mind. But it's really hard to save money. Once you have kids, you don't want your kids to do without. And the kid, eventually, if you're a decent parent, is going to want to go to college. Are you not going to pay for college? You know, are you not going to, um, when the kid gets a license, are you not going to buy a safe car as opposed to, when I was a kid, it was just like, whatever junker you could find, good luck. Here's a rabbit that looks like a refrigerator box. Good luck. Stick shift. Smells like freaking burning rope. Here it is. Here's this piece of metal that you can, you can lose your life in. It'll stall out all the time. You're going to have to, you might have trouble getting up a hill with this car, but here's your car. Are you going to do that to your kid? 
so I had to work at Burger King and delivering pizzas and delivering newspapers and delivering all kinds of stuff to pay for my college. And um, I don't think that's the proper thing to do to uh, your kid. You know, I really think you should buckle down and figure out a way to help the kid a little bit. You know, maybe a better thing. All right, maybe the kid should work a little, but, you know, maybe a work-study job at the library or, or something like that. Because you're supposed to be in college and you're supposed to be, like, learning and, and doing things. And and what's happening at Burger King is just, you know, that's you're putting your kid in harm's way, you know. So I always worked jobs like that. And I wasn't told to do it. I just had no choice. If I wanted to go to college, that's what I did. I was pretty much an adult by age 16. And, you know, that's, that's like a survival mechanism. So... You know, in Burger King or any of those type places, any job that's hourly, you're dealing with a lot of dregs of humanity. You're dealing with some hee-haw people that um, do weird things and have weird thoughts, and a lot of them are criminals. You're dealing with a lot of bad people. And then you're getting these customers coming in at 2 in the morning, you know, and they're bad people. And you're just some college kid. Like, maybe you should be above that. Maybe you shouldn't have to deal with that. Maybe you shouldn't have to have that life lesson. So maybe, like, this this whole, uh, you know, belief that end times are coming, maybe it's like a last grasp and to hoping to maybe, you know, it's it's the comfort zone of someone who, who grew up dysfunctional. And it's, it's the comfort zone where if there's chaos, you'll feel at home amidst the chaos. Because I grew up with chaos. And, you know, it, and currently I don't have a lot of chaos. But maybe if there's like an end time scenario, that'll be the chaos that, that I could thrive in. So for a lot of us, it's like, hey, you know, I hope an end times happens. So all of my bills will go away. And I won't have to worry about things anymore. And now it'll be like, who's the scrappiest? The scrappiest people will survive. And because I came from a background where I had to be scrappy, I wasn't, you know, some de- point dexter with the, the Coke bottle glasses uh, who never did anything in life. I had to actually, like, live an adult life as a teenager. Um, I think I'd be pretty good at it at this point in time. But maybe I won't be so good at it in 10, 20 years now that I have my AARP card. So I'm wondering if if, if there is going to be an end times, if it's going to happen within my um, serviceable life, the, the life where I'm, I'm actually able to actually do anything about it. Or will I just be the keeper of knowledge, some old fuck? Will I be that person? the curmudgeon who they keep around and they think's kind of cute and he knows a few things. Will I be that person? Or, you know, or, or is there still a small chance that I could have, like, you know, that, that glory of uh, getting the big, uh, you know, fumble recovery on the two-yard line um, of the big game in 1988? You know, will I have that glory again that never comes again? Um, and it'll just be a different paradigm. Instead, it'll just be like the glory of, 
you know, sacking a, a, an abandoned 7-Eleven and scoring some some rations for your tribe, you know, will it be that? So that that's what comes with, with older age. And um, I'm starting to think, like, this is it. This is, you know, this is it. The hole I've dug is, it's almost complete. And the guy's there, and he's not liking my jokes about Mickey Mouse and and uh, Betty Boop. Not liking them. I'm still digging that grave, and he's just going to put the bullet in the back of the head, and I fall into the grave. And then the joke's on him because he has to cover it. He has to cover the grave. But I guess it's easier to cover the grave than it is to actually dig the grave. Because you're digging the grave, and you're hitting like rocks and things like that. And it's harder ground, and just covering it, you just scoop back whatever was scooped before right on top of it. So, you know, he'll have to, he'll have to do a little work, but not a lot of work. Um, so, you know, that's like the ultimate, um, you know, it's the ultimate diss is to make someone dig their own grave, like lack of dignity. But, you know, so the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, at first it kind of had the potential, potential of being a, um, end time scenario but it really wasn't even if like a vaccine weren't created it wouldn't have been that bad even if it ran its course through everyone it still wouldn't have been that bad you know maybe two percent of the population instead of point three percent or whatever the the number is maybe it would have been slightly um more but you know, 2% of the population is not an end-time scenario. An end-time scenario is like at least 25%, I'd say. So that's it. You get the uh, you get the AARP card in the mail, and you start to realize that, you know, maybe, maybe it's not happening for you, and maybe time's up, and, and you're not going to be Ray Kroc, and even if you are Ray Kroc, you're still going to be an old Ray Kroc, and it's not going to be fun anymore. And you just figure, fuck it, this sucks, um, and and just forget it. If end times happens, it happens. I'll just dig that grave, and and that's it. But we all have these holes, you know, these holes that we've dug, and they could be in our relationships too. You know, the, all the the disrespect that you've given and someone's given you over the course of ten, twenty, thirty years. You know, there's those holes. Even if you have kids and, and you did all the things that you, you know you think you're supposed to do, there's holes in, in that. You know there could have been some argument that you had at, at one point and another argument, and one feels slighted, you know, and and but you can't speak about it. You know these are the holes we dig, um, and eventually it's just you know it's it's for for what. So, I think the pandemic proved that there's enough infrastructure in place where. I don't know if we'll have a real end time scenario anytime soon, unless like something escalates with, uh, with China, you know, some kind of war of some sort or, um, or a natural disaster. I'm not a hundred percent buying, you know, every, every now and then, 
and I don't want to be one of these people, but global warming, or I think it's called climate change now or something, I'm not 100% buying it, you know, and even if it does happen, I don't think it's going to be catastrophic, even if, like, let's say the earth temperature goes up five degrees in the next 20 years or something like that. I don't know if it'll be that catastrophic. I think that there's a lot of land that isn't usable at this point in time uh, in the northern and southern hemispheres, and it would become usable, and maybe trees could grow there, and, and you know the planet could right itself a little bit. Maybe there'll be more regulations on overfishing that will help the environment. Um, I, I think it's maybe good to put a panic out there and to say, hey, global warming's happening. But I think rich cities like New York City would figure out the water rising situation. And um, so I'm not a big believer in the global warming being the end time scenario. The idea of a volcano... Um, or some kind of meteor hitting the planet and having uh, some kind of perpetual night going on. I buy that a little bit more. But looking at the history of the world, it seems to not happen in every hundred years. And, you know, the best case scenario for a lifespan is about a hundred years. So who knows if something like that will happen in my lifetime. There was a minor um, volcanic disruption in my younger years with Mount St. Helens and that just, you know, darkened the skies a little bit for a little while. And that was about it made like a little bit of a haze in the atmosphere for, I don't know, a week. Didn't really do it. So not sure, not sure if it's going to happen. Uh, I think war is probably the best scenario and natural disaster, like a volcano or, um, meteor is the second, um, and the other ones are, are distant, like plagues and pandemics and, and that. I think this current pandemic kind of proved that a pandemic can be put under control. And um, look at all we've learned from this pandemic. We have now have RNA vaccines. Um, we learned to social distance really quickly and to shelter in place and to wear masks and things. So it, we didn't know that with this one. But if, um, if another one were to happen in, say, five, ten years, I think everyone would revert and they'd quickly say, oh, yeah, we have to now wear masks again. And uh, there wouldn't be, like, the toilet paper, toilet paper shortage. Right now there's the, the, um, the buffalo chicken wing shortage of 2021. I've gone to two restaurants now, and... On the menu, it says that there's a chicken wing shortage, and they have to use boneless chicken wings, which aren't chicken wings. You know, I always thought there'd be a shortage of, of chicken wings, because, like, how many chicken wings can there possibly be out there? And I see people in, like, bars and such eating them like they're nothing, like they're Pez candies or something. Like, you figure you would figure there'd have to be a shortage of, of chicken wings and those little drumstick things they give you. Like, are those, like, mini chickens? Where do those come from? What's going on with that? I always wondered, like, why isn't why isn't there a shortage of these things? So now there's an official shortage. So go get your chicken wings while you can. All right, I think I'll do, um, and I hear you knocking. Let me just get my, my phone so I can pick out two celebrity names and 
we will say, hey, these people are knocking at our door. First, let me get the I Hear You Knocking music. I'm not as prepared today, so I have to um, dig it up. All right, so I Hear You Knocking, and here it goes. All right. All right, so that's the theme song. All right, I went on TMZ.com, a celebrity website, and this is how the game goes in case this is the first time you're listening to it. Uh, two people are knocking at your door. I pick celebrities because it's names that we can quickly recognize, and um, it's pretty random, um, and that helps us visualize if you know if there's an end-time scenario and we're in the bunker and two people are knocking at our, at our door... Which one would we let in? All right, so the first story that pops up is, the first name that pops up is Bill Gates. Family furious at him during secret trip ahead of divorce. All right, so Bill Gates. The second one is someone named, there's a headline, Quavo and Saweetie. No charges in elevator fight for either of them. I don't know who these people are, though. A paddled six-year-old, she and siblings interrogated over neglected tip about their mom. This girl that was paddled in school. They have a video of it. I'm not going to have a, I hear you knocking with a paddled six-year-old. Someone named Salento. Johnny Depp gushes over George Young. All right, so... I think, you know, in the spirit of this, we have to go in the order that they come in. So, Bill Gates is knocking at the door. And and this one's going to be, I guess, um, relatively easy. But uh, Quavo is the next name that shows up. Who the frig is Quavo? Uh, if Quavo and Sweetie weren't broken up, they might be celebrating together. Neither, neither of them will face criminal charges for their elevator altercation, uh, TMZ has learned. Law enforcement sources tell us the case was referred to the L.A. City Attorney's Office, which declined to file charges. We're told based on evidence, surveillance video of the then-couple in a physical confrontation, there was no likelihood of conviction for either party. So I guess they got into some elevator fight. Um, the exes were clearly to look it up. We have no clue who Quavo is. All right, so this is all we know. Quavo is someone, I guess, and he merited being put on um, TMZ's website for an elevator fight. See, this is how people can make themselves famous, by doing infamous things. No one knows who this person is, but now he's getting some press for throwing around Saweetie. It's S-A-W-E-E-T-I, Saweetie. Horrible human beings. All right, so Bill Gates and Quavo, Q-U-A-V-O, Quavo. All right, Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, billionaire, probably a despicable human being just based on that. Uh, You don't become a billionaire without being a despicable human being. I don't care what anyone says. 
There's no, we should never celebrate billionaires. They're all despicable A-types. Um, founded, you know, DOS a million years ago, which he really stole the code, and he passed it off as his own, and um, became a zillionaire because that eventually turned into Microsoft because IBM needed an operating system, and he uh, had an in. Um, he's no, you know, rags to riches story. He's from... Um, Wealthy parents, and he's one of those Ivy League people, I guess, that dropped out of school, had everything handed to him on a silver platter, and he um, has and controls much of the world because Windows is the main operating system and Microsoft Office is the main productivity software. So they have their hand in everything, and uh, he's made a zillion dollars. He, he says he's going to donate his money to charity when he goes, but now he's having a messy divorce. And so maybe not, you know, maybe it won't go to charity. He says he's not going to leave his kids anything, but maybe a million bucks or something like that. And uh, I wish, you know, I someone left me a million bucks. That would be nice. Um, but the rest is going to some foundation, and, you know, that's good for him. You know, makes him feel better at night. Uh, Quavo, I have no clue who he is. He's wearing glasses. He has on headphones in the picture. He has um, a hat. He's looking kind of... Uh, you know, I guess apologetic in the photo because he beat up Saweetie in an elevator. He looks about youngish in age. I'd say 20s, early 20s maybe, early to mid, and um, above average height and uh, looks like, you know, a better fitness level, obviously, than Bill Gates. Um, and all I know about him is that he got into a fight with Saweetie in an elevator. And that somehow merited a um, mention on a very popular website. I think sometimes these people create drama and they do it just to go on these websites and then they make themselves famous in that way. And then you become famous for doing nothing, really. Um, all right, Bill Gates, let's try to t look at it seriously. It's end times. He's knocking at our, our door to our bunker. And he's saying, uh, yeah, let me in. I'm Bill Gates. You know, this is me. I look like Kermit the Frog. I'm Bill Gates. I, you know, I'm a zillionaire, but I'm married to this person that hates my guts. Um, you know, and we got divorced just before the end times. So she's not with me. And I'm looking to get in here. Um... I don't think Bill Gates has any usable talents at this point in his life. I think the ability to make money is out the window. Fuck it. There's new money. It's the it's the apocalypse. So, you know, money now is uh, if you have a Xanax, you know, you could, that's that's your money. That's a $40 bill. It's a Xanax if you have that. Um you know, can of corn, that, that's your money now. It's not like uh, some invisible money that gets traded on online. And all these billionaires do is really, it's just like advanced money laundering, really. It's like how they move money around and, and all this stuff. Um, any coding or technical ability he had, he hasn't kept that up. He hasn't kept, it'd be like asking me now to do like advanced algebra I can't do any of that. I, yeah, you know, when I took a whole course in it, and at the end of the course I could do advanced algebra, 
and then maybe that, you know, that like a month or two after, I probably could still pull it off. But I can't do advanced algebra all these years later now that I have a red AARP card in my frickin' mailbox. I can't do advanced algebra. So he can't, you know, even though he kind of wrote software a little bit way back when, he hasn't kept that skill up and he hasn't improved on that skill. He's he's become a businessman. So that's his only skill. He looks physically weak. He's probably annoying. He probably has these worldviews that are just um, antiquated and won't make sense in the afterworld. Uh, I don't know. I'm not letting him in, so screw him. All right, so then the question becomes, um, do I let in Quavo? Well, the game is you're supposed to let in one or the other, so I guess Quavo wins by default. Um, Quavo probably has some skills. You know, he obviously can fight a, a woman named Saweetie. Um, you know, the big hoop earrings. He could pull on the hoop earrings, maybe. I didn't watch the video, so I don't know who won the fight, actually, though. Maybe maybe Saweetie won. Um, all right, you know, that he's probably going to have to be reprimanded and punished for, for doing that in, in this new world order. We're going to say, hey, you know, we saw that video of you doing really bad things. What's wrong with you? Uh, you're going to have to get, like... I don't know. You know, we're going to have to cut off one of your fingers or something as punishment. Which finger? Um, all right. He, he, he's early 20s and looks to be in decent shape. He probably could help with various things. Hey, can you run and grab that, uh, you know, run and grab that um, goat that's escaping from our, from our um, you know, from our little area, from our, uh, whatever, section, um, go get it before it gets, crosses into enemy territory, and he could run, you know, pretty fast and go get it, um, he's in good shape, you know, just like I was when I was his age, um, I don't know much about his personality, he seems to like the celebrity limelight, he might have a bit, little bit of an ego, but, you know, in the end times, that ego would disappear a little, I'm not saying either of these are great catches for our bunker, but I don't want Bill Gates, and Quavo's probably a 2. Bill Gates is maybe a 1 out of 10, so I guess Quavo barely wins, but I might just say no to both. But if you have to pick one, it's Quavo. Quavo in a close call. All right, so there's that. There's that. Um, I've been... Um, the... Kentucky Derby was on the other day, and um, my wife wanted to bet it, and so I downloaded, like, an app that I had downloaded, like, I guess last year or so, or maybe two years or so ago, that lets you bet on horse racing, and this app is so addictive. It's like, you know, I, I, I tend to, I think I could be my mother was um, a gambling addict, and that's why I got no million dollars when she I got a pile of debt. You know, she dug a lot of holes. And I've noticed, like, one sign of the gambling addict is if they have a car that is below their station in life. Like, if they're 50 years old and they... Um, they have like a white collar job 
and they're driving like um, a Kia Rio, which is a real small car that probably you would get when you're 20 years old, not when you're 50 years old and you've been working a while. Um, that's like one of the signs of of a, an addict in some way, a gambling addict, drug addict, or something. Um, that's one of the signs of, of the addict. So I could see, because you know, kind of runs in my family, my mother was a freaking gambling addict. I could see, especially like during quarantine, getting addicted. It's so... Um, so easy to do. Now I limit myself to $20 a day, you know, on, on any kind of gambling. Um, and some days I don't do any, so it's not really $20. It's not $140 a week, but it's some money and that's dribs and drabs. It comes out, but you know, with this app, it's, you could bet on horses and you kind of come up with a system to bet horses and you could just watch it. The horses could be in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Brazil, um, or they could just be, you know, up the street at a local, your local horse racing place. They have all these different things, and you can't really research the horse as much on the app. But that doesn't really seem to matter that much. It seems like if you, if you kind of have a rhythm um, and you can see patterns, you might win if you're in a good mood. And, um, and that's a little bit of random, too. But, uh, for example, I see, like, a couple of the tracks... The morning numbers, they have morning lines. So in the morning, someone decides, you know, this horse is 4 to 1, this horse is 5 to 1, this one's 10 to 1. There's someone who does that in the morning. And I noticed that if with a couple of tracks, and I won't say which because why should I give up my system, um, if the morning line strays, to the final line, like just as you're about to, um, the horses are about to go. If it changes a lot and it's a relative bargain, that might be a good horse to bet on. So let's say a horse was three to one in the morning and you're watching it and no one's really betting on it. Um, and so it goes up to six to one, seven to one. That might be a good horse to take a chance on because someone in the sobriety of morning thought, and it only depends, it depends on the track because each track has its own handicapper. Um, so the track might have, this track might have a better handicapper, for example. Someone in the sobriety of morning knew that this horse had a, you know, three to one chance of, of winning the race. And for whatever reason, you know, betters are like lemmings. They're not really all that intelligent and such. They all jumped on another horse. Well, this horse now goes up to seven to one, eight to one. And you could have, now the horse still might lose. So, you know, that's why it's gambling. But it's odds, does, it doesn't mean that the horse suddenly got that much worse in half a day. Um, it just means that people aren't betting on it. So if you can find these relative bargains, you might be able to turn that into something. So that is, um, you know, the addicting aspect of it. So you could start off with $20, and before you know it, you have like $120. It never really zooms that much. Now, eventually it gets pilfered away because the system isn't perfect, and there's a bunch of different tracks. It's hard to keep track of everything. And sometimes you just want that thrill 
of not betting on favorites and you want to bet on some horses that are too much of a long shot and the money um the money eventually goes back but sometimes i could stretch twenty dollars over several days so it's not a bad form of entertainment but i could see where people could get addicted with all these different gambling options out there um i probably shouldn't have downloaded that horse racing app so i might have to delete it again and uh and this is why you know in my 50s i've dug so many holes because it become this this um cliche of a person's betting horses and, and trying to find some meaning in that all right that's the end of end times podcast exciting right find uh, more on endtimespodcast.com Ha <laughs> ha!